What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for two ninety nine subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold-cut combo. Veggie delight. Or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just two ninety nine each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. Today we'll be continuing with another episode of our mini-series Funding Lab with my co-host, securities lawyer, Josh Soloway. You want to get investors who are good partners, investors who understand your business, and investors who understand investing. Um, And Reg D really is the best way to do that. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, special forces soldiers, CEOs, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Before we start, I want to tell you about this thing we're asking our friends to do. We ask them to sign up for a program that saves them money on things like their cell phone bill and plane tickets, but donates money to child rescue to combat child trafficking at the same time. They go to the website cares.savvy.com slash rescue and sign up. It's kind of like a Costco membership. It costs them 15 bucks a month, but saves them probably 20 to $30 a month on their cell phone bill. So they're usually anywhere from five bucks to 15 bucks a head per month. Plus an additional $5 gets donated to our charity, to help fight these people who are harming kids. I think it's kind of genius because our friends can donate to us and then they end up with more money for doing it. Please, if you can, check out the landing page, www.cares.savvy.com rescue. That's C-A-R-E-S-S-A-V-V-I dot com slash rescue. And see if you think it's worth your time to save every month to help these kids. Also, I want to tell you about one of our show sponsors, Bookly.co. It's the company that Zach Olson, who was on episode six, started. Not only are they our sponsor, but I use them personally for my bookkeeping for the business because they're like an amazing hybrid between accounting software, plus you get access to a real human bookkeeper to ask questions to. And they can do payroll and file my taxes too. They have plans as cheap as $99 a month, and you can get the first month for free. Highly recommend them. Check them out at bookly.co. That's B-O-O-K-L-Y dot C-O. Now on to the show. Josh, thanks for making the show, and why don't you tell us a bit about our guest this week? Uh, my pleasure. Uh, the guest is a friend of mine, uh, someone uh, I think highly of, and I've had a, a lot of fun getting to know here uh, you know, over the last uh, little bit here. Um Carlos is uh, is a a successful attorney, uh, an entrepreneur truly at heart, who's been working with entrepreneurs to be successful in various forms as an attorney, um, and uh, has some other entrepreneurial interests that he'll tell you about. But um, what it really struck me about uh, about uh, Carlos and what he's doing at Main Street Exchange, he's the CEO and co-founder of Main Street Exchange, um, is it's sort of mission is totally well aligned, Jess, with what you and I talk about all the time, which is uh, the, the tools and, uh, and the difficulty uh, that come along with uh, uh, any sort of financing effort related to a business. And uh, Carlos and his team are doing some very interesting and innovative things um, to make the fundraising process uh, more seamless 
uh, easier for entrepreneurs so that they can focus on their business um, and how they're doing it, how they think about it and why they are the team to do it uh, in the space that they're doing it within, which is in these sort of uh, Reg D private placement space, uh, which he knows inside out. Um, I'll let him tell uh, us about that clearly, and we'll uh, we'll have some questions, Carlos. But Carlos, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're insanely busy right now for a whole bunch of reasons that we'll touch on. Uh, so um, please, uh, yeah, well, thank you very much. And Jess, uh, you know, I'll hand it back to you to kind of get us started, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, yeah so there. Carlos, um, thanks for making time. You know, I think maybe the first place to start, we have so many entrepreneurs who listen to the show and talk to us about, uh, you know, wanting to get the money to really make uh, their vision possible. Can you clarify just for a second, for those not with a legal background, what the difference of a Reg D offering versus, you know, some of the new ones coming out or different things, what, what specifically you focus on? Absolutely. Um, so what the, really what we focus on here is what I think of as traditional private placement securities. Um, and so that means when a company goes out and tries to raise money from an accredited investor, and there are all sorts of rules and laws around what it means to be an accredited investor, generally someone who makes more than $200,000 a year or has more than a million dollars in assets, um, when they go out and they want to sell them any sort of security, so that's equity, uh, right, stock, um, preferred stock, things like that, or they want to sell them debt, so notes, convertible notes, they want to sell warrants, um, you can sell those things under the law without having to go out and do an IPO, right? Having to publicly register your company. Uh, yet those securities look a lot like the same kinds of things you might sell in an IPO in terms of what, what rights people might have um, for their stock or their debt. Um, the big difference here and what we hear a lot of is, is this crowdfunding? Uh, so Title III, what you're referring to, Jess, is sort of the newest law that came online in May, um, which really was a way to try to turn the world of Kickstarter um, into a way to raise equity from anyone. Um, there are limits that go in the world of Title III crowdfunding in terms of what you have to tell people uh, what disclosures you have to make, what does that process look like, and what are the restrictions on how much you can raise. Um, it's a brand new world. No one really knows how it's going to pan out. It probably will work out, but at the same time, for a lot of people, it's really a gamble as to whether it's worth, frankly, the expense of going through a crowdfunding raise as well as the limitations on the back end. Um, so we are really focused on taking an old process, which is this Reg D process, um, and turning it into something that's accessible to everyone. Um, because historically, the way that it has worked is people rely on lawyers, they rely on bankers. Um, and we're saying, you don't have to, there's no mystery here, you can do this much more easily. And are most of your clients doing a like a 506B? Or what's yes. the... Yeah, that's right. So within the world of 506, um, you can do a 506B, you can do a 506C. The major difference there is that both of them um, allow you to go out and raise money uh, and an unlimited amount of money from accredited investors. And there are some exceptions, and I won't dive into the details there um, on who can be part of it. A 506C allows you to do a public solicitation. So that means that you could go out and you could put ads in the newspaper, you could try to raise yourself up in the world of Google SEO um, so that people can find your company 
who are looking for investment and they can come in. But then there are many more strict uh, requirements that any startup or any company faces when they do a 506C in terms of vetting those investors. Um, we are able to do both 506B and 506C. Um, 506C is new. Uh, to the world of private investing. A lot of lawyers are still afraid of it. Um, so there haven't really been that many 506C deals, though we're hoping that we can help kick that uh, off and pick it up a little bit. So let's, let's you know, what's interesting about this, Carlos, is on this show, we are obviously, and he, he, you know, we're, we're talking more about what's, what people want to talk about today, right? I mean, everybody, and it's, it's so interesting that, that, the things that are tried and true that have been around for forever, like Reg D, uh, the way it's been done for a long time, uh, don't get talked about a lot these days. Um, so I'm actually pretty excited to have this, have you on here, because not only are we talking about Reg D and explaining it, what what is this option, but, but we're also talking about a new way of doing it. So first, before we get to the new way, which is Main Street Exchange, or at least in part Main Street Exchange, can you tell us a little bit about why your focus on Reg D private placements while everybody else is looking at, you know, the Jobs Act, you know, title, you know, uh, you know, crowdfunding, A+, exactly. all this yeah. stuff. Why yeah, yeah. now? Absolutely. I mean, I think that for, you know, in my career as a corporate finance and securities lawyer, which, Josh, I know you understand well, um, the majority of deals that are done um, in the world of startup financing and entrepreneurship um, are Reg D deals. You know, venture capital firms, which are a little bit later on, are always working within that world of Reg D. Angel investments, for the most part, are always working within that world of Reg D. You know, last year there was over $200 billion invested in companies through Reg D. Um, so this is clearly the main thing. This is clearly the main path for companies to raise money. Um, and what it is, is it really is a way for companies to be able to raise some serious money. Um, and by serious money, I don't even mean in, in terms of accounts, but for any entrepreneur, when you go out and raise money, one of the key features is making sure you're finding good partners, right? Expensive money is the kind of money that you take in for an investor who doesn't understand your business, has no idea what you're doing, um, has no experience, and really is just saying, oh, you must be the next unicorn, you know, the billion-dollar valuation company, and therefore, I want to get back my 100x return. Um, it's not really a realistic way to approach investing, and it's not really a really good way for companies to go out and seek investors. You want to get investors who are good partners, investors who understand your business, and investors who understand investing. Um, and Reg D really is the best way to do that. Historically, it has always been the best way. Jobs Act actually did do revisions in Reg D, so let's let's be clear on that. That's where 506C came out of. Um, is the jobs out. Right. And it's really that focus of helping companies raise money. And so what we're doing is we're saying, let's take it a step further. Jobs Act is supposed to help companies raise money. It added in a lot of uh, compliance requirements. So if we can automate all those compliance requirements for companies, then we really can get to the heart of the point of the Jobs Act, which was to jumpstart these small businesses. You know, that's a good distinction there, too, because we do tend to talk about Reg D versus these other things, when in reality, a lot of that was happening within Reg D. So um, can you kind of help give people the lay of the land um, in terms of these, you know, Reg, you know, sort of traditional Reg D crowdfunding, a, Reg A plus, and we can get into some discussion about that. But how do you think about that landscape, what it looks like? 
Um, just, so, just to make it accessible to people, because you and I, you know, we could all go and throw around these things, and then we, you know, and refine our, you know, refine. Well, rank D's this, and then you have five or six C, and then you have, and it's just like us throwing. We may as well be throwing around acronyms. No one ever heard of. Um, can you tell us about in in in, you know, in as accessible way as possible? Because I think you're pretty good at this action, in my experience, and uh, talking to you. How you see the landscape now? Where where reg where traditional reg D or plain vanilla private placements fits within that? Um, yeah, so no problem. So really, the way that I look at how can companies raise money, I would I would put four things out there, Josh. Um, I would say that there's what I consider the non-equity way of doing things, and that's really the Kickstarter world. Um, and so how do you go out and how do you raise money so that you can um, start your business? And so you see this a lot, um, and there are people who run campaigns. I don't recommend that any company actually try to raise money for their business through Kickstarter um, or similar crowdfunding sites only because it's just not the best way to gain traction. Um, and really the numbers there about who's successful out of that don't work all that well. Um, then I would walk into the world of crowdfunding. So this is regulation crowdfunding, Title III. Um, and it's, it's trying to um, bring that Kickstarter world where you don't have to have accredited investors. You don't have to have people who already have a lot of money. Um, you don't have to have them making the investments, but you actually can go out and you can get investments from all sorts of people. Um, the limitations on that are you're going to be able to raise up to a million dollars in a 12 month period. Um, and you can have individual investors, um, invest certain amounts based on how much their net worth is, right? So maybe it's $2,000, maybe it's 5% of the lesser of their annual income or net worth, right? Um, it's a way that the government has looked at to say, hey, regular Joe wants to make investments in companies. Um, and for a lot of companies, when they go out and they meet people, maybe people don't have a circle of accredited investors that they can talk to. This does become a realistic way to raise some cash. Um, because if you can raise $50,000 from 25 different people because each of them give you $2,000. Well, that's a sensible thing. Um, for many companies, the limitation of raising a million dollars in a 12 month period um, might not be realistic because they're trying to really grow the business in such a way where they maybe they're going out for a series A in nine months. Um, and I, what I want to be clear here now I am diving into the details. You knew I'm a lawyer nerd. So that's it's that's unfair, Josh. Um, you know, I when people want to go out and they want to raise money, you always have to gauge that 12 months from the last sale you made. So maybe you raised money over the course of two months and then four months later, someone else gave you $5,000. That's going to be tied into that prior sale. And now 11 months later after that, you want to go out and raise $1.5 million. You can't do it. Um, and you can't do it because it's still within the 12 month period from before. So when we talk to companies and they say, yeah, this is my plan. And we can talk more about this later because I think everyone needs a plan. Um, my plan is to raise money here. And then in six months, I'll do this and nine months, I'll do this and 12 months, I'll do this. Um, if I hear something within that plan, which sounds like, yeah, I'm going to be above that million dollars in a period. I say, hey, let's shift over to the world of Reg D and thinking about what happens there. Um, within Reg D, by the way, there's all sorts of different kinds of offerings you can do, um, offerings with unaccredited investors, uh, which again, 
requires a lot of information for you to put out there. Um, things that approach the world of what what sort of information you would have to provide an IPO. And this is now we're starting to get into that A plus kind of raise where you can raise a lot of money from a lot of people without actually doing an IPO, um, but still but still be putting out a lot of information. Um, the beauty of Reg D and where, where those rules fall is that if you can shoehorn yourself in with the right kinds of investors who have, as I said, this accredited investor status, um, you walk away completely from any disclosure requirements. Um, you do not have to make disclosures under Reg D to accredited investors. All that you have to do is be available to answer their questions. There's no limitation on the number of investors that you can have. And if you do it under 506, there's no limitation on the amount of money you can raise within any period of time. So that's really kind of the, the world here is from that basic equity Kickstarter, Title III, which limits the amount of time um, that you can raise in as well as the amount you can raise um, and how much investors can put in to A plus, which is a much bigger, uh, what I call IPO light um, sort of scenario to Reg B where you're not even putting information out there um, that's required. You just put out what the market needs. That's, uh, yeah, that's a really good sort of lay of the land and, and context. It's useful to hear it in, in your, your sort of from your view and obviously with your background and expertise. But, you know, with that as the backdrop, right? And that's the sort of landscape and those are the options in front of entrepreneurs. Let's now talk about product. Let's talk about Main Street Exchange as the company, as the product and, and, and who you are and what you're doing. So no one better to talk about that obviously than you. So uh, yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about Main Street Exchange? Yeah, um, so Main Street Exchange was, it, it's, the baby of, um, there are four of us, four co-founders, right? And we come from different backgrounds. Uh, my background, as I said, is a lawyer. I was a corporate finance lawyer in New York, a partner at a law firm out here in Colorado. I live in Boulder, Colorado now, um, which is just a hotbed of startups and entrepreneurship. Um, and, you know, I worked closely with startups and entrepreneurs for a long time, helping them figure out how to not only start businesses, but finance businesses and ultimately sell businesses, however they were trying to do it. Um, my co-founders, one of them was a Pricewaterhouse tax accountant who, again, has worked with startups and has seen kind of all the different ways that startups can mess up their financials, um, including all their record keeping and, and how they keep track of what they do. Um, another one is a CTO, our CTO, Anthony, who is just a genius. And um, if you ever want to talk tech, that's the guy to talk tech to, uh, who can make any idea become something of reality in the tech world. Um, and then my other co-founder, Brendan, himself is an entrepreneur, like all of us, but has done it before and has been through this pain um, on a personal basis, uh, suffered through trying to fundraise, having bad advice here and there, um, really trying to find the right investors. How do you get the money in? How do you make sure that all the records are kept? And really every problem that you could possibly have, he faced it. Um, so what we've done is we created this platform, it's Main Street Exchange, that's really an end-to-end -end platform um, that in one place allows companies, and we're targeted at companies at entrepreneurs more than anything we're not we're not trying to target the investors uh, which is what almost every other service out there does um, built by investors for investors we're trying to help companies understand how do you communicate with investors how do you present um, easy diligence so that you can look 
more organized, more legitimate, which legitimacy is a huge issue for many startups when they go out and try to raise money. Um, how can you negotiate and execute your documents? How can you keep track of all your records? How can you keep track of your capitalization table, which is the list of all the equity and um, debt that a company has? Um, and then how do you comply with the law at every stage? Um, for a lot of companies, they realize, and a lot of entrepreneurs, they realize that they need to comply with the law, but frankly, it's not the most important thing to them. Um, so we said, if we can automate the process of complying with the law so that a company doesn't even have to think about it, but only has to go out and find the right investors, that's a win, right? If someone can come in, they can understand that they don't have to worry that they are complying with the law in Kentucky because their investor lives in Kentucky, but we'll take care of that for them. That's great. Um, and for us, that's what we're trying to do. Take you from meeting that investor to managing that investor on the back end. We will walk you through every single step of the way. We're going to teach you what to say as you go along, as well as we're going to automate each of those steps so that you can spend more time on your business, making your business amazing. Um, on average, we save companies about a month of their time, of executive time in any fundraise. Um, and somewhere between $7,500 and $15,000 um, in legal fees on a fundraise. Um, so we're pretty happy with how it's turned out. Why do you and, save so much? Um, you save so much partially because of the education piece. Um, so in terms of time, um, a lot of it is the education piece. It's understanding what it is that you're supposed to do. What's the language? The world of fundraising has its own language and lingo. Um, and there are a lot of different resources out there. But again, we've brought everything into one place so that we can walk someone through that process. So the first time you talk to an investor, you understand what you're doing. You understand maybe what the market looks like um, in terms of what the terms are for that kind of investment that you're selling. Um, and the diligence process itself. So diligence is the process of an investor trying to learn more about a company uh, so they can decide whether they want to make an investment or not. And that's really where most of the time is spent um, for startups because they're trying to go through and they're trying to get themselves organized. What did their old documents look like? How do they respond to these 10 page diligence requests that they get from investors? We help you organize all of that stuff. We have wizards that walk you through um, that. And by wizards, I mean I, computer wizards, not real people, though that would be cool too. Um, we have them walk you through this process of getting organized, looking legitimate, answering the questions that investors want to see so that when the investor comes in um, and sees your profile for the first time, it's not with this sense of, oh, this is a hot mess. This is going to take me a really long time. And then everyone hunkers down for a long process. It's, oh, I maybe need to see one or two more things, or I might have one or two more questions, but that's it. Um, you know, we ran our own process the first time we raised cash through Main Street Exchange. Um, and the response from our investors ranged from, I've never not had to send a diligence list before. That was amazing. To, that was so freaking easy. I want all of my investors to have that. And we then got some of those investors. They put their companies on because they were so pleased with how easy the process was. That's, that's, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. that's what you want, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and now, in terms of money, sorry, the, the, the savings, I always think of it in terms of, of time, but in terms of the money savings, a lot of people pay lawyers um, to run a process for them. And by a process, there's lots of legal and non-legal stuff that goes on in fundraising. Um, so lawyers still need to be able to draft legal documents and you want them to draft your stock purchase agreement and, and, and negotiate the points of that. 
they don't need to be sending out emails to potential investors with your pitch deck, and they don't need to be responding to diligence requests to try to organize a bunch of documents. Um, they don't need to be sending out signature packets. They don't need to be trying to collect signature pages. They don't need to be spending time trying to do the math to update your cap table. Um, but they do because people pay them to do that. Um, and little industry secret is lawyers hate doing that stuff, right? We didn't go to law school to send out signature pages. We like drafting the documents and negotiating them. Um, so for a lot of lawyers and law firms who many of them have become our partners because they look at this and say, wow, this saves me a lot of time. I can run more deals and I don't worry about getting the cap table wrong or missing deadlines on filings or making sure that I knew what the latest law in Minnesota was. Um, I can get it all in one place too. So it really helps on both sides. People save money and lawyers are still happy. But but I just want to clarify something because you hit on it earlier. So you guys don't have wizards? <laughs> not, not really. There are no human wizards working at MSC because that's really what I want to talk about next. But. You know, I think I, I like to think of myself as a legal wizard maybe, but I think that's about as far as I would go. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to the D&D portion of our audience. <laughs> yeah, uh, my apologies. And, and now next, Comic-Con. Okay. Yeah. So, um, well, listen, this is great. I think this is a great place to start. Uh, we'll cut this off for part one of the episode. Please tune in to the next episode. Um, we're going to be hearing more about going to Harvard and other entrepreneurial experiences that led into this one. And uh, uh, look forward to catching you soon. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for $2.99 subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold-cut combo. Veggie delight. Or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just $2.99 each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied.